Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. What's good? Here we are at the end, getting to the end of the Old Testament. If it's your first week, we move through the um, the scriptures. We follow the Come, Follow Me curriculum, and uh, we're wrapping up the end of the Old Testament right now in the Book of Twelve. Which and, we're a little sad and a little happy about. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, we looked forward to the Old Testament for all of these years. Um, but one really, really cool thing, I've said this in a video before, but um, if you didn't hear it or see it, um, one really cool thing is when you've studied the Old Testament, it lays this, a re- it gives you a really, really unique lens to the rest of the books of scriptures. They all draw heavily on the imagery of the Old Testament and the story of the Old Testament. Like, for example, the Book of Mormon will just throw out lines like this. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's an assumption that you know everything about the covenant story that was introduced in the Old Testament. So um, if you're just joining us this year, you are you are equipped. You are ready yes. to now move forward to the next four years in understanding the scriptures um, in a, in a, in a different way. Yeah, which really, is going to be so you know, fun. And you may want to put your timeline behind your couch so that regularly you can pull it out and be like, okay, I want to remember what I knew at the end of the Old Testament. Speaking of, we're working on a, a small little PDF version of that if you want to print out. You know, or you can keep it behind your couch too if yeah, you want. Yeah, but, but you, you can put it small, in the back of your Old Testament. Right, that you can just put in there That's and keep referring to it. And so um, we're working on that and we'll we'll get it for you with everything filled in. It'll be a whole filled in thing. And speaking of next year, um, or two things. One, if you want Christmas ideas in the last lesson, we kind of um, started early. So that if you want to get ready for your Christmas lesson or Christmas um, things that you want to do in your house, go to the last lesson, which was about who? Who was even the prophet? Micah. Oh, yeah, it's it at the Micah. end of Micah. Oh, yeah. Duh. Micah okay. is the Christmas. So, right at the end of the video, there's going to be Christmas ideas. Yeah. So go back to that one. Looking forward to next year. Here's just a quick clarification to just settle a whole bunch of questions um, about when you look on the website for next year's study resources, what am I looking for? Okay. So this is confusing because these look really a lot the same. The posters, if you, if you see the posters, that's something you would probably hang in your house. The tip-ins are something you would put inside your scriptures. You actually glue these right in your scriptures. The study journal is for that kind of goes along with these lessons, and it will include like personal reflection questions and also um, teaching worksheets and the questions we would use if we were teaching a lesson. And then the devotional book is really just like paragraphs, you know, kind of just like something you could use in a lesson, something you could use first thing in the morning, something you could use for You like to do yours at night. Study. Yeah, yeah, family scripture study at night, just a five-minute devotional. So that's devotional. You can do every book. day. So there's, that's what, quick clarification. If you want to know more about those, go to the Lamentations lesson. At the, at the beginning of that, we explain all of them. In detail. Yeah, or the website. You get them all at DeseretBook.com or the Real Life Store. Okay, timeline, we're putting three friends on. Um, right when I was putting my wrist up to put this on, I see Jackson's as requesting a Venmo. Okay. This is all the only text I get from him. So can you Venmo me? Okay. So we're putting these three today. We're doing Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. And we're going to put Nahum in this 49 right under Micah. 
he's going to talk a lot about uh, things that have to do with Nineveh. Yeah, which they've kind of already t- taken. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, Zephaniah over here in this mini prophets box and also Habakkuk. I put them out of order, but they don't feel sad. No. They're and you can just put them right there. Okay. Again, remember all these prophets are e- preaching either to the southern or northern kingdom. At this point, all three of these are in the southern kingdom. And some of them have already seen the northern kingdom taken away. I mean, they like witnessed it. They watched it happen. They've watched some of the cities of the southern kingdom get conquered also. Um, and they're anticipating the coming of, of Babylon also to them. And so they're living in that time period when right before or after the northern kingdom's taken off and right before the southern kingdom is taken away into captivity. And they're going to talk a lot about like the upcoming judgment. That's, that is probably what would catch your eye first if you started reading is this judgment that is like, coming and you can feel it coming and also it doesn't sound very nice when you hear about it coming like he's not messing around right when he tells you what the judgment's going to look like and a lot of these verses and they're kind of these dual prophecies where it's talking about the coming judgment upon the kingdom of judah upon assyria and like and everything and then also it's a dual prophecy i mean it's also talking about a coming judgment for the second coming so a lot of these verses are actually about their time period but they're also looking forward to that same kind of experience and same kind of talk that we are using today. We're using their words to talk about today also. And and one thing that will happen when you read this is what's probably going to stand out to you first are the judgment verses. And it's going to cause you to start asking questions, especially if you're teaching youth that are like, wait, what is the character of God? And when we were reading it, I was like, it also feels like we're going between Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because you are just going back and forth of these like two personalities. Yeah. And so one of the awesome things in, in all of scripture and particularly in these ones is to figure out what is the character mm-hmm. of God actually like. And when you have these two like, that are so <laughs> opposite from each other. It's seriously like you are a little bit jarred when you read these three prophets in particular. Let me show you an yeah, example. Yeah, let's give of that. some ideas of okay, what it looks like. Nahum chapter one, right at the the very beginning, he's talking to that Nineveh, right the the country, the nation, the kingdom of Assyria. And um, remember, Jonah went into Nineveh, and with eight words or five, if you're Hebrew, they turned around and they were like, "We've decided to love God." Now this is 150 years later and they decided not to love God anymore is what has happened. Right. And so Nahum comes and now this is the conversation. It's more than five words. Yeah. It starts in two and it's like, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious, (laughs) you know, in verse two. And you're kind of like, oh, and then in verse three, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And you're sort of like, hold on. In verse two, you just told me he was furious. But he's also, and then in verse three, he's like, I know, I know, I know he is, but he just doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. He's actually really slow. Yeah. And do six and to seven. Anger. I but love then hold on, but the line after that, he's slow to anger. He's like, and he will not acquit the wicked, <laughs> you know? And then you're just like, whoa. And then six is like, who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? And then verse seven. Oh, wait, wait, wait. His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks. He's like a volcano in verse six. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, he's Santa Claus in verse 7. And he's like, the Lord is good 
He's a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. And like within seven verses, you're like, wait, who is God? Yeah, what are you? And, and who are you even talking to? And it's like this, back and forth. So we want to start out and talk about why. Why, why would there be this two-sided conversation? And actually, I was just thinking, anybody who's grown up with a parent actually is probably like, well, I sort of relate, actually, because <laughs> if you were to say. My dad was What's so mad last night. I know. And then you're like, my dad just Venmoed me, you know? And it's just like, who, who's your dad? Like, yeah. What kind of personality does he have? So we kind of want to address quickly this idea of this fury and this anger and this judgment and then spend most of our time over on that other side. But we, I, we if you can't see the board, I'm just going to read it to you. But we've got two messages here and we've labeled them. One message is to those against God. And then the other one is to those who love God. And we'll find ourselves in both these categories, like maybe daily. You know, we'll switch yeah. even like throughout the day, right? But to those against God, this fury, this judgment, and this anger, the message you see throughout these books is, first of all, it's a message of you are ruining your life. And I'm going to be really, really fierce with you because you're, you're, you're headed to a cliff. You're totally in chaos. You're just ruining your life, and I don't want you to. So I'm going to put on my... Mom voice. <laughs> I was just wondering if it was going to be the dad voice or the mom voice. <laughs> Sometimes it's the dad voice, mostly it's the mom voice. Okay. And, but then also this, the Lord is really, really clear when he says, I won't acquit the wicked, where he is just saying like, I'm actually not going to allow you to treat other people like this anymore. Because the, the wickedness that he's speaking about is a it's it's like a, it's, it's racism and it's, it, it's taking advantage of people. It's hurting people. It's injustice. Right, it's injustice. And he's yeah. just like, I'm not going to let you do that anymore. And that's where you see the love in this language is there, there comes a point where God will not stand for injustice. And I love that justice side of God. Same. Where he's, it, it's very loving to me where he's like, I cannot allow intentional hurt to continue. Yeah, if you pass by a school, you're, you know, driving. I was just thinking that because I drive through four school zones on my way to your house, you know? <laughs> this is why I'm always five minutes late. I forget okay. about the school zones. Drive by, and you're driving by, and you see, like, a bully eighth grader, like, picking on a fifth grader or something like that. And if you just passed on by, and you were just like, oh, kids will be kids. Yeah. You know, that's not actually very loving to pass by. Like, someone should step in and say, like, you can't do this yeah. to him anymore. I'm going to stop this from happening to the sixth grader or however old I made him, you, the justice of your justice, your judgment is actually a welcome sign, right? It's like, oh, thank you for stepping in. Thank you for stopping, you know, all of this from happening. To the bullies, it's also a sign of love because it's, he's like, I'm not going to let you ruin your life. Yeah. You can't, you like can't this. act you can't, like this. You can't do this, right? Yeah. For his sake and for your own sake yeah. also. So, You'll see a lot of that that's there. And it confuses you about the character of God. And if you're teaching youth, it will confuse them. So it's super helpful to say, God doesn't just get angry for no reason. Or God doesn't send destruction and judgment for no reason. That he's actually trying to restore love. That's what he's trying to do. And so as you go through this language, you want to be watching for what God won't allow to happen among his children. And he'll spell it out for you. I won't allow you to do this. And you might 
if you were teaching youth, be like, let's go through these three prophets and see what does he teach us about um, those who are against God? What is the judgment that will come? And you're going to see it everywhere. And he's going to tell you it's not going to be a happy ending. Chariots are going to rage in the streets, he tells us in verse 4 of chapter 2. In chapter 3, he tells us, I am against you. Um, I will cast abominable filth upon thee. Like, he's not going to hold back against stopping wickedness. And I, I think it's important to remember that. And again, if you're the victim of that wickedness, that's a very, very welcome sign. And yep. those are very welcome words yep. to you. The only time we don't like judgment and justice is when the spotlight's pointed on us, mm-hmm. when we're being called out. It's yep. the only time we're just like, hey, you know, <laughs> if you see nice. someone like breaking a traffic law you're, and they get pulled over, you're like, aha, you know, you deserve <laughs> it because you were so reckless and you were so dangerous, you know, but if someone honks at you for breaking, for you breaking the law, you're, you get, you're like, you're Defensive. like, hey, <laughs> I was just, you know. <laughs> So yeah. it's sort of like, it, you know, depends on where you're at. But I think it'd be really, really good to spend just a minute teaching, particularly youth, that love and judgment are not opposites of each other. They actually, one is an expression, judgment is an expression of love. And like, use some of those examples and help people see that. And I think it's important as we looked at the beginning where it was like, the Lord is furious, but he's slow to anger. And the mountains are going to quake before him, but he is good. And a stronghold. Like when you're seeing both of those things, I think it's important to realize that if you live in a time that is really wicked or a time of great division and contention, and you hear that these judgments of the Lord are coming, it might be easy to give up. It might be easy to be like, well, everyone else is wicked, so I might as well just be wicked. Nobody else is doing what I'm doing. Or to take the approach of like, well, the hell in a handbasket then. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to, like, sometimes I hear people say, well, then well then hurry up the wickedness so the second coming can come, yeah. you know? And it's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Yeah, it's so easy to become discouraged and to lose hope. And that's one of the things that I love the most about these three prophets is, on one hand, they are pointing out how bad things are and what's going to be the consequence for that time period. But at the very same time, just like back and forth, there is also this hope for the righteous. There's like, it, now you see all this is going on, but don't forget this. Remember this. Hold on to this. You can cling to this. That there are whispers of hope amidst really hard things. And I would say I, for two reasons. One of them, for what you just said, which we're going to lean into right now and just move into that. And the other one is to remind people who God actually is. Because you could see him carrying out judgments and make the wrong assumption about him. And I think these three prophets and all the prophets are trying to give you the right lens to see everything that Mm. he's doing. You know, and I, you know, this will become more apparent next year when we study the New Testament. But I love that phrase coined by this writer I read once, cross called cross vision. He's like, well, I see everything through the lens of the cross, right? The character of a God who's willing to sacrifice his life for me, who's willing to lay down everything, humble himself, condescend in order to save me, that kind of God is good. Mm. And so I need to read everything through that lens. So I love that they give us that lens and then they also give us that 
hope when mm-hmm. we're just like, oh, everything is is so ruckus. So yep. we want to like um, focus on this list, and we think it'd be cool. And we pointed out four things that these prophets say you're going to find in these times of of great trouble, in these times of like, yeah, how to find hope, chaos, what to cling to, like what is the direction that is coming. We're going to point it out um, quickly as we just go through these. But we think it would be awesome after you went through and, and found these things to leave time at the end of the lesson to actually pull out general conference talks from the most recent general conference. And if I was teaching a group of youth, I would tell each of the kids, bring your favorite conference talk with you. Just know what it is. They don't need to prepare before they get there. Or even on bring the, it. most of them are on their phone and you can yeah. just say, yeah, know what it just is. Just pick one. Here they are. Mm-hmm. Or just pick a random yeah. one. Because if someone didn't come prepared, it's like, yeah. oh, no worries. Yeah. Pick, pick, one, a, you'll pick find one of it. those and then try and find these four things that we're going to point out within our recent prophetic council, which would be awesome. So here are the four things. We're going to start right in Nahum. One of our favorite things he says we read in verse seven, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. He's going to give the call again in chapter three, verse 14. Um, and and he's you can hear him preparing the righteous because he says, draw thee waters for the siege, fortify thy strongholds, go into clay and tread the mortar and make strong the brick kiln. And you can feel this like prepare for what is about to come. Because uh, if, if you're living in the wheat and tear times, you're going to all experience the same things. And I love that he's like, Go get the water. Uh, people in Jerusalem would have known go get the water meant you got to gather to stay protected for quite a bit of time and to fortify those strongholds. And it would be a really interesting question to ask, what are the strongholds? Yeah. And I actually really like that in when you brought up like people in Jerusalem would have known that most of their water that they would gather from are in cisterns. Like they've been... They were already, that water was already collected months ago. And it's neat to consider that God is like, I've already put on the earth what it is that you're going to need. Mm -hmm. So like, I've already sent it actually. So go get it, go get the water, go get the mud that's already here and like build this stronghold. You have everything you need to build a stronghold. Yeah, to fortify. To fortify yourself. And we might think of strongholds as holy places. It might be the temple. It might be the church. It might be your home. How do you fortify your ability to be in those places right now? That's the first council. So we love that that first one is, what are your strongholds? And are they fortified or are they easy to get to? Are they part of your regular lifestyle? Okay. I want to, before we leave into Habakkuk, let's take this one last verse from Nahum that will kind of springboard us into this next one. And it's Nahum chapter one, verse 15, where this is a phrase that you've heard before, but he says, behold upon the mountains, the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. I actually love Mm -hmm. that in these, again, in these destruction judgment chapters, there is this verse about like, oh, but there will be good news. Yeah. Good things are coming. Good things are are coming. Um, Peace. Like we're, we're going to publish peace. And he actually says, oh, Judah, keep your solemn feasts. In other words, like have your celebrations. There are still things to celebrate and to like, you know, embrace yeah. and be a part Which of. Sometimes we need that reminder when the world feels dark and things feel hard and heavy all the time. I love that he's like, 
Find reason to celebrate God. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Habakkuk, we're going to look at this one. He, the whole book, verse one, starts off with this feeling that we've kind of been describing that you may have seen before. Where it, verse one, Habakkuk 1 1 says, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Like he looked around at the world around him and, and he felt burdensome. He was like, everything is messed up, everything yeah. is wrong, everything is horrible. And, and he says, he asks questions in verse two, Lord, how long am I going to cry and you're not going to hear me? How long are you going to let this violence happen? How long are you going to let sin run rampant? How long are you going to be so slack on, mm-hmm. and so, you know, on, on mm-hmm. everything that's happening? Like I'm so, Habakkuk 1 is for someone who watches the news too much and they're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and then the Lord's response is so awesome in verse five. He says, Hey, behold you among the heathen. Isn't that an interesting line? Hey, you that live among yeah. those who are yeah, against God. Yeah. yeah. You wheat among the tares, regard and wonder marvelously. This is such a good verse. For I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it be told you. Like, what I'm going to do, it could be like laid out for you, and you wouldn't believe it. Because it's going to be so good. So good. Because you're looking through your own eyes, mm-hmm. right? And he's going to call you in these. I need you to look at the world through a lens of faith, through eyes of faith. Because when you look at it, your eyes are like, it's it's ruined. It's ruined. And he's like, no, 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 no. Hey, you, we among the tares, regard for a second and wonder marvelously because I'm about to do something that you won't even believe me. You know, it's so Yeah, good. and it hints of um, President Nelson. What's coming between now yeah. and the second coming is better than anything we've ever experienced, ever, the entire history of the earth. I'm like, okay, I want to see those things. Yeah, so where we get this one is he's like, hey, hold on, hold on. I promise you really, really good stuff is coming. In the meantime, there's going to be signs of it. That good news that Nahum talked about, these like and I love messages. When, yeah, these messages. And I love when he says right at the beginning of chapter two, listen, for anyone, anyone who's the wheat, here is my message to you. I will stand upon my watch. Set me on the tower. And I love that he's like, I won't leave this watch. I'm, I will be, if, if you want to know the good news, set me on the tower and watch for what I'm about to say. And he gives this um, advice in verse two. He's like, write, write this down and make it plain upon the tables that he that, this is verse two, that he may run that readeth it. Or in other words, make it so big and so clear that even someone who's running by would be able to see it. Even someone driving by at 60 miles an hour on the freeway, you know, why go 72? Anyone driving by, <laughs> you know, would see it and it would be super, super uh, a clear message. Yeah. Right? And he says, because um, though it tarry, wait for it, but surely it will come. Right? There are some times when we're waiting for something, but in the meantime, there need to be these messages of hope and these messages of good news. So that's what we mean by these billboards. Yep. And I love when he says in verse three, the vision is not yet. It's for an appointed time. But I love that he's like, but you can get your hopes up. Yeah. It's going to be that good. Yeah, so you will look for in these conference talks or throughout these books, like where are those like things to hope for? What's the good news to look forward to? And I love how Habakkuk 3 ends in 17. He's like, the fig tree might not blossom, 
There might not be any fruit on the vines. There might not be any oil in the olives. And there might be no cows in the stalls. Like you might look around and say like, huh, things are not working out the way that I thought. But he says in 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Yeah. And I love that he says why. And you don't really know why unless uh, you've studied the animals that live in Jerusalem. You might be a little confused. You would be like, this is what you should hope in. He tells you, the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk up on mine high places. And then you're like, well, that sounds really nice, but I have no idea what you're talking about. But in Jerusalem, there is this red deer, the female red deer, and the rear feet of those deer, the hind step will go exactly in the place where the front feet were. It's the only animal that will do it. So it makes it the most sure-footed of any animal on the whole entire earth is this deer. It's a sure-footed deer. And I love that this is what he says. You can rejoice in the Lord. You can joy in the God of salvation. He will be your strength and he will make your footsteps sure so that you can go up into the high places, the places of escape. It will happen because of this sure footing, this path, a sure path and your ability to walk it in the end. And we just, we love the thought of this man set on the watch that where he's like, just put me on the tower. I will tell you how to make your feet sure. I will tell you how to get up there. And I love the fact that we were on a hike once in St. George and we got to this waterfall and it felt like the end of the hike. It, like when you, right when you got there and you looked, you were like, you can't pass that. But you could see people walking up above and it was in like a slot canyon. So there's no way they had gone a different way. And I was with my family and my brother JJ noticed these uh, like carved into the wall, these footprints where you could actually climb up over the waterfall and someone had put a rope attached it clear up there. Mm. And so he, he did it cause he's super agile, really athletic. He like jumped up there and climbed up. The rest of us were not as sure. We were like, you go up there and see if it's worth going. And so he went up and looked and then he was like, yes, everybody wants to come up. But then all of us were like, that felt super intimidating mm. to do. So JJ ended up holding on that rope and he would come down those footholds and he would stand behind every person and guide their feet up the footholds till they got there. And then he would come back and get the next person and guide them up those footholds. And that's what I imagine here, that he will be your strength. And just the way JJ made our feet to go exactly the right way, that's what the Savior will do. He will make our feet to go on the path in just the right way through covenants and through ordinances and through those things that strengthen us, like actually strengthen us. He will get us through. And I think one of the things, I'm normally a good news guy, but I also appreciate really good advice. And this one right here, if I'm looking in a conference talk, to me, it feels like I'm looking for, tell me how to navigate this life right now. Mm. Like, give me just one, my, give me my next step. Yes, I love that. Right? My next foothold. The next right step. Right? That's all I want. And it's just like, and it could be something in a talk that says, practice 
gratitude, mm. right? That's going to be a really sure path for you. Um, what, what, what's, what's um, oh, the one talk I was reading, we're just like, oh, the other, we put it in one of our other ones. Elder Anderson, where he's oh, like, maybe. learn about the life of Jesus Christ, right? And those are some of the things that we're just like, this will give you, take yeah, you to the high places. Yeah, just these simple things. And right? there's so many in there. And one of the other things I noticed as I've gone through conference and looked at those talks over and over again that surprised me is how many people wanted to speak about Jesus. Like the answer is Jesus is one of the talks. Elder McConkie gave a talk that wants to point us to Jesus just over and over again. I love that they're like, he's sat on the watch. He's on the tower. Let him put your feet where they need to go. It, it just seems like it was so clear. Well, and I just, you just made me think like, like President Elder Uchtdorf's talk. Jesus is yes. the strength yes, of, of youth. the youth, right? He is yes. the stronghold. His life is the message of hope, yes. right? He is the way, the truth, and the life, the way to God, yep. right? And then this very last one we're pulling from Zephaniah is a promise of his presence, right? I, I love, again, my mind is looking forward to the New Testament, yes. but I love this idea of like within the Roman Empire that was a disastrous time period, Jesus came into that. Yes. Situation, right? He's like, my presence, we saw with Daniel. Yes. I'll be in the lion's den with you. I'll, I'll be, be in, in the, the fire, fire, right, with yeah. you. His very yeah. presence is promised. Is going to come. And one of my favorite things about Zephaniah, we actually talked about in our devotional book from last, from this, this year's devotional book. But there's a really interesting call in Zephaniah to gather. Um, he wants everybody to gather. And we, we kind of have talked about, and this might be a good time, each of their names means something different. And Nahum's name means comfortable. And it's interesting because it's almost as if he was saying, you've gotten yourself too comfortable in a situation that is not good for you. And Habakkuk's name means to embrace, which I love because I feel like he is the one that is like, embrace this direction. Embrace what is going to make you strong-footed. Embrace the Lord. And Zephaniah wants to speak at a time his name means the Lord is hidden. And he's speaking at, in a time when it's really hard to actually see the Lord. And his call to the righteous, he has a whole call to those against God. But his call to the righteous is to gather. That is the number one call. And I think it's so interesting that at a time when God is hidden in the world, that he's like, you're going to have to gather together if you want to find God. If you want to see God, if you want to experience God, it will require a gathering together of people. And I love when he says this, gather yourselves together, yea, gather together. Before the day pass as a chafe, before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, seek ye the Lord. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them. At that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you. And I love this thought about this doctrine of gathering, that, that God will guide those people who have gathered there. And President Henry B. Eyring said, It is not surprising then that God urges us to gather so that he can bless us. 
In those gatherings which God has designed for us lies our greatest opportunity. We will move together in power to go wherever God would have us go and to become what he wants us to be. And I just love the thought of that like power in gathering and, and what comes from gathering. And maybe we wonder that, like why? Why do we have to gather on Tuesday night for youth activities? Why do we gather on Sundays? Why do we gather in our home for Come Follow Me? And I love that Zephaniah's answer is, oh, so he can be in your midst. Yeah. That's why you're gathering. Right. You, that's why you're coming together. It reminds you of that promise where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I will be also. And, and there's something about also gathering where it's just like, tell me of your strongholds. Mm-hmm. Tell me your billboards. Tell me your, the footpaths that you have, have taken. Yes. If you went on that path by your, that hike with your family by yourself. I wouldn't have gone. You wouldn't have known the sure paths. Like it was JJ's gift to see those particular path holds. And there's something about gathering that we bring all of our gifts together. We bring all of our experiences with him, with us, Mm -hmm. right? And like we get a more complete picture of who he is and and we can experience him right through the different gifts that he's given to people. And I love the thought of that. I was talking to Megan. She serves in her young women's inner ward and we were talking about their gatherings. And she's like, I just am... I'm always trying to think of the purpose behind the next gathering. And what if the purpose was simply to experience Jesus in yeah. the midst? What mm-hmm. if you were like, this is what we're going to do. What do we want the outcome to be that somehow everybody felt Jesus while they were here? Is this activity doing that? Is it bringing Jesus into the midst? Wouldn't that be an interesting way? Like when you plan your Come Follow Me lesson, well, where is where is Jesus? It, how am I inviting him into this lesson? How are we inviting him into this activity? If that's the purpose of the gathering, is that he would be in the midst, his presence would be there, what are we creating that would allow him to be part? And I really love that in Zephaniah 3, that 17, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. And then this quote, he says this, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. It's funny, normally we sing to him and he's like, yes. no, but I'm actually going to sing to you. <laughs> yes. Can I sing? It's almost like a lullaby. It's so sweet. You know, and he's like, let me sing, you know, over you. And I just love that he's like, I'll gather them that are sorrowful for mm. those who experience reproach or for those who felt the burden. He says, I'm going to undo everything that afflicted you. I'm going to save them that felt blocked in their life. I'm going to gather those people that were kicked out. Which is my favorite. I can't wait for that part. Right. And so it just is this call, like anyone and everyone can be pulled together to gather and experience his mightiness, his willingness to save, his rejoicing over you, his song over you. Yeah. Right? To just experience him. Yeah, so it's if so you, good. If you look at all these again, let's just kind of like give like for those teaching a lesson, what like a couple words that might like, what is it that gives you strength and where you feel protected? Yeah, what right? are in, your, strongholds? Yeah, your strongholds? Where are the places you know you can do to gather strength? Okay, look for those in the conference talks. Look for one-liners of hope yep. in there. What give? What's the good news line? It's got, yep. you know. And the, you love the thought that it would be that little thing that you see when you are just running past that would catch your eye, you know, a power 
sentence or a statement or that little nugget. Or if you're in traffic and you're just like, I hate my life. And then, <laughs> then you, you can have and a quote. Like, oh. <laughs> you know, it's so good. Okay, where are the sure paths? The sure, like, how do I, show me the what to do next. Right What's step. the next right step? Yep. And then wh- where do I see his, his character traits? And right? how and does gathering help me invite him into my story? What are the gatherings I'm attending that are inviting him into the midst? We live in this same exact time where, where we feel like sometimes we look around that everything is crazy, that everything's gone into chaos, and nothing's working right. And this is just a chance, like stop and just be like, hold on. Like you said, pause, take regard for a second and consider all the wonderful things that I am doing to help you navigate through this. Yes, it's so good. It's three lessons on hope. Yeah. Really good. Okay. Okay, see you next week. Bye. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.